Hey, what's up? You're listening to episode number 49 of the Fit Successful Dad podcast. Every once in a while, you hear stories about people who have literally gone from rags to riches, right? Like completely turned their lives around from like a bottom of the barrel type of situation to living with more income than they ever knew they could make, able to go on vacation and do fun things, but also give back in a way that kind of solidifies a little bit of a legacy for that person. You hear about this from time to time. It's it's those stories that make you feel really good inside about someone who's gone from, you know, that bottom of the barrel situation to something kind of like magnificent, right? And today's guest is just that. His name is Nitin Choda, and he came from Bombay, India, right after 9-11, uh, moved to the States and was broke, and he came here seeking opportunity, and he was broke, he delivered pizza, he lived in his car, he didn't have enough money to afford winter clothes in the dead of winter, and he went from that situation to running multiple multi-million dollar businesses, which is where he's at now. And he's been incredibly successful through the hard work and dedication and perseverance that he continues to put in on a daily basis in order to get where he's trying to go. And he also is the author of a book called Total Activation. And we're going to break that down a little bit in the interview and hear more about that. He is a physical therapist that now runs businesses around that space And he's also very, very into the mind-body connection and how people should take more seriously on a daily basis the health and wellness of their bodies and the health and wellness of their minds. And he gets into some of the ways that he teaches that to some of his clients and also people that just listen to some of his content like here on the podcast or read his book, Total Activation, uh, some of the things that they can take away as well. Uh, He's also a a father. He's got uh, a young child and another one on the way. He's a husband and he's he's all in on that family life. He talks about that. A really cool interview. Great guy. A lot of positive things to say. Uh, I got a lot of inspiration and motivation out of hearing him talk. It's uh, it's a true rags to riches story. And if you are interested in going into fit or health or wellness or even supplements and anything around those spaces, health and wellness, then listen to this interview with Nitin Choda and try to draw as much from it as possible. Listen to it two or three times if you have to. He's an amazing guy and he's been through it all. And if you are in an entrepreneurial state, there's a ton of takeaways in this interview. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to this interview with Nitin Choda. Okay, so Nitin Shoda, thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Um, listen, I'm super excited for this. I've been looking forward to this interview for, gosh, uh, a couple weeks now at this point. I've went and I've looked at all of your social media, all of the things you've done to date. Your resume is incredibly inspiring, and I think the audience is going to get a ton out of it. Um, so thank you. Appreciate it. Gordon, I appreciate the opportunity to be uh, here with you today, and I hope I can add some value uh, to uh, to you and your audience. 
Uh, I have no doubt in my mind. <laughs> no doubt in my mind. And no one, uh, I don't think anyone in my audience is going to be totally familiar with your story, but I know after they hear it, they're going to be very inspired and motivated. So before we go into that, um, I mean, you run multiple multi-million dollar companies. You have a growing team of over 30 people. You're an author. You're a father. I love all this and I want to dive into all that and unpack it. But first, why don't you just take a minute and tell everybody and, and myself um, a little bit more about who you are and more importantly, what has you excited right now? So Gordon, my name, uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, my name is Nitin Choda. I'm a physical therapist. I'm based in New Jersey. I actually moved to the United States in uh, in 2002 uh, in a post 9-11 world. Uh, I'm originally from Bombay, India. And um you know, uh, I moved here and, uh, you know, I've literally been through everything and we can get into specific instances, uh, you know, based on based on what what you want to talk about. I've been through everything from, you know, delivering pizza to working in a restaurant. So I could when I say working in a restaurant, I mean, you know, chopping vegetables, uh, not not the glamorous, n nothing glamorous. <laughs> I was I was waiting till, you know, uh, all the guests left so I could uh, so I could get the opportunity to eat because I couldn't afford my own meal. I've slept in my car. I've been uh, oh, I've been on the verge of financial bankruptcy, um, and I've, I've sort of I was able to sort of climb my way out of that out of those situations uh, into as you said, you know, uh, running several multi million dollar businesses, and now uh, I you know I've been working from home now for almost gosh more than ten years, and uh, my employees all of them work from home. So um, That's and, you know yeah. Uh, a lot of that has had to do with uh, not only my, uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't say skill because I feel we all, you know, are born with uh, certain skills. Some of us are strong in some areas and weak in others. Um, yeah, perseverance, definitely. Luck, definitely. But I think, quite frankly, a lot of it has to do with uh, the opportunities that exist in the United States of America. I, I do believe, Gordon, I am the American dream because, you know, if, if a guy could come, if a guy from India could come to the U.S. in a post 9-11 world, and, uh, you know, become successful, live in a home in New Jersey, fly his mom in business class from India, uh, you know, uh, be married to the most, you know, to, the, to, to, to an amazing woman. Uh, my wife actually has been in the U.S. since she was 10 years old and then have a two year old son. We're expecting another child on the way. So if I, I wow, do believe I, awesome. the, <laughs> I do believe I'm living the American dream. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that America has opportunities that are, you know, that are sort of unheard of anywhere else in the world. And Gordon, I believe in this so strongly. This isn't just lip service. <laughs> that if I had to give up all, if I if I lost all my businesses and I was driving a bus here in America, I'd still be happy. <laughs> oh, That's so awesome to hear you say that. Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, there's a lot of pieces to everything you just said that I want to get into. Uh, I first of all, congratulations on the the second child. That's awesome. And, um, and I couldn't, I couldn't agree more personally about the entrepreneur and, and all the other opportunities in the United States. I think everyone, especially the, uh, the people who are, are driven to like down the entrepreneurial road, like they, they see all the opportunity and are very appreciative of that. But, um, man, that, that's a, that's an awesome story. So you were an immigrant you came here in 2002. Uh, why did you move to the United States? You know the um, so my original uh, my original intention was to come to the United States to uh, you know to study to to get some certifications some credentials because I was working as a personal trainer and a physical therapist for celebrities and you know uh, these athletes uh, famous athletes uh, back in India, but when I moved uh, not moved when I visited the U.S. Uh, for the first time back in 2002 I I was given the opportunity 
to work in the US and for me I honestly I fell in love with uh, the United States of America the the moment I I landed because you know the you know the the culture the you know the people the environment the opportunity so for me when I got the opportunity and back then I was 24 single I could you know I could take risks right so for me I'm like okay I'm packing up my bags and coming to America to work I didn't know a single soul I had no friends in America I mean um I uh, I I had $500 in my pocket when I landed in the US I I slept in a like there's a place in fact I should probably go back there there's a place in in Times Square called the Big Apple Hostel uh, and they I don't know how much they charge now but it was like 30 bucks a night back then in 2002 wow. can you imagine being able to live in New York City for 30 bucks a night it's a hot <laughs> <laughs> I have family in New York City and it's more like 23 like like 2200 a, a month you know for a and, small and, studio apartment. And Gordon uh, this is this is a funny story. Um I um I had I had a little bit of cash when I landed here and uh, you know before I formally began my job in New Jersey because I was offered a job and I would go into uh you know like um these grocery stores and I'd be like a dollar meal you know these dollar meals and i'd i'd be like oh i'm going to eat like a king for a dollar and then i did that for a couple of days and i was you know <laughs> sitting in the bathroom for an hour so um it was uh it I was uh, <laughs> it was uh, uh it, so uh, the short answer to your question is i had the opportunity i was full of uh um uh, you know full of enthusiasm to begin a new life in a new country because i knew I knew deep down that if I had the opportunity to live and work in the US I should take it and I grabbed it with both hands and uh, a lot I've been through a lot ever since a lot of struggle um but uh, you know I I don't regret a single day. Wow, that's that's incredible. So you you made the choice to move here and with only $500 mm-hmm. and I mean you went through you slept in your car at times, you delivered pizza, you couldn't afford winter clothes. I mean what was that like? You were living in New York City and you could afford couldn't afford winter clothes. You know I lived in New York City for the first week or so because uh, that was uh, I I I was I was apartment hunting in New Jersey where I uh, you know where I uh, ha- where I had a job and then when I finally found an apartment it was a one bedroom apartment that I was sharing with four other guys I kid you not four oh. other guys <laughs> so um so I was only in New York City until I moved to New Jersey and yeah I couldn't afford winter clothes um and I was taking the bus from where I lived in Hackensack New Jersey to uh to a place called Englewood New Jersey I still remember the bus number 172 173 and uh, I was the only guy <laughs> sitting and I was only the, the I was the only guy sitting in the bus with a t-shirt now a lot of people looked at me like I was crazy and that's because um and here's the funny thing I couldn't afford a jacket but I was so um how shall I say it um motivated and enthusiastic just to get to work and do a good job that uh, I kind of the cold didn't bother me and i know that sounds insane but i think i was being driven more by the desire to uh do a good job and succeed and climb up the ladder which at that point i mean you have to understand my my first job uh, i was being paid um, my salary was $26000 a year so my paycheck was about 600 bucks every two weeks and so at the end of the month after paying all my expenses i was i, I used to save like 3 400 and i'd send it back home to my mom in india So I literally had zero savings but it didn't bother me it didn't bother me that I couldn't afford a winter jacket I couldn't afford a car back then uh I was just I was just happy to be here garden as strange as that sounds wow that is that's pretty moving nitten um 
And then here we are today, right? Fast forward some time and you're operating multiple multi-million dollar businesses. Um, so let, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about revenue. Uh, you said you have over 30 employees, first of all, that work <laughs> remotely for you. And mm-hmm. you are operating multiple businesses, mainly out of your house. Um, mm-hmm. What does your revenue numbers look like specifically, you know, how, how across all of them together? You know, what, what do you what is, what is the, the combined cumulative kind of uh, number coming in? Uh, yeah, sure. Between uh, between two and three million dollars uh, gross across all businesses uh, growing every year. That's incredible. OK, so what I think everybody is going to be curious about, including myself, is what was the path between uh, not being able to afford winter clothes, taking bus number 172, 173, uh, to operating multiple businesses, bringing in about $3 million a year, working from home, having a team of 30. What's the in-between there? Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, I'd say, um, you know, modeling uh, other successful people because, um, you know, um, obviously you can you can forge your own path and do something that's completely unique and completely innovative. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think uh, for me, uh, I've always recognized the fact that, uh, you know, we are surrounded by people who are pioneers and I, and I watched pioneers around me. I mean, my first business which was uh, an email newsletter marketing software for physical therapists. We still have that side up and, you know, we do great at that business. It's called Therapy Newsletter. Uh, I uh, I got the idea from someone else who was doing something similar in another industry. And I said, you know what, that would work well. So I, I went on, you know, what was back then, scriptlance.com. I think right now they're Elance or something. I went back, I, I went on that website, found a developer, Uh, you know, sort of managed to save up some money and hire the developer who built that software for me and then started selling it to physical therapists. And I was surprised that they bought. I was surprised somebody would give me money for a piece of software that was brand new. And, you know, the success of business one led to the creation of business two, which then led to the creation of business three. So if I was to sum it up, I'd say model other successful people, surround yourself by other successful people, and then uh, come out of their shadows and then, uh, you know, you know, and, and, and sort of create your own path. But always surround yourself with success uh, because uh, otherwise, uh, you know, uh, otherwise. Uh, and the ironic thing is, Gordon, a lot of people uh, are happy where they are. And in fact, some people go out of their way to go out of their way to bring you down. You got to uh, stay away from those people and surround yourself with people who always, uh, you know, look ahead. And so that, you know, that becomes contagious. Does that answer your question? <laughs> it, it, it does. There's definitely more to it. But I, I love what you just said. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big um, advocate for positivity and for people putting other positive people around them in order to drive themselves to kind of be at the level they want to be at. That's, that's something I, I firmly believe in. I talk about it all the time. And I also talk about removing toxic people from your circle in order to put yourself, you know, in the best position to win, right? The best position to be who you want to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, I, that kind of aligns with what you were just saying. So that's awesome to hear you say that. And you clearly have a, a work, a very, very strong work ethic and a passion and a desire to do things. And so, um, it, it, it's, it's crazy to hear that, you know, you were, you were hustling along and you went from, you know, doing all these things as soon as you got here to the States to building a software uh, program, a package, right? Software package. 
to mm-hmm. sell. Um, now I went on to your YouTube channel and I was, uh, I was checking out some of the content you have out there and, um, you have a video, uh, maybe a series, but I, I really dove deep into one specifically about your newsletter formats and how you take the clinical, like you were recommending to other physical therapists that they take the clinical content and either like heavily reduce it, or in some cases, remove it altogether and focus on the bonding and the relationship part of it. Um, is that is that something that you that you make uh, you make, make an effort to 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 be kind of like a, a staple in how you communicate with your audience and how you teach other people to communicate with their audience? Yeah, you know, so Gordon, there's a book called uh, Influence by uh, Robert Cialdini. That's C I A L D I N I, and uh, in the book Influence, he talks about doing things that are uh, unexpected and personalized. Um, you know, um, and I think that applies to all aspects of life, right? Um, you go to a physical therapist, uh, or for that matter, you know what, uh, you walk into, I'll give you an actual example. I, I go to Trader Joe's. And what am I expecting? I'm expecting to find the stuff. I'm expecting to check out. I'm expecting the person at the checkout counter to say, did you find everything you were looking for? That's all expected. But what if you have an experience that's unexpected and personalized? Uh, and I've actually had this experience. Uh, I was in Trader Joe's, uh, you know, what is it, a few months ago, and then I saw a sign that said, if you like, we'll walk you to your car and hold your bags for you if your bags are too heavy. That to me was unexpected because you don't expect someone to hold your, you know, hold your grocery bag for you and walk you to the car. Um, And in the book Influence, um, you know, they they did a study where, you know, in New York City where uh, when when the when the server, uh, you know, came with the check. All they did was they presented two mints. I kid you not, just two mints, and they said to the uh, you know to the guest, "This is for you, good people. Thank you for coming." I know it sounds so simple, but that simple action led to a substantial increase in 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 the tip or the gratuity that uh, the server was getting. So at the end of the day, I think whether it's in personal life or in business, if you do something for another human being that is unexpected and personalized then that's when, uh, you know, that's when you can make an impact. And so the whole clinical bonding uh, thing that you're referring to is, you know, when you send patients a newsletter, um, they're expecting, you know, to read, oh, you know, here's 10 ways physical therapy helps a shoulder. But they're not expecting to read that, you know, Amy at your fr- Amy at the front desk is starting to be a nurse. And she has, uh, she, you know, she has a dog called Joey and she, you know, um, <laughs> she loves dogs. And uh, guess what? Uh, next month is her wedding anniversary and we're going to do a little, we're going to do a surprise party for Amy. So you're a patient, shh, you're invited. Now that is different. That is unexpected. That is personalized. That sets up the human connection, which I think, uh, you know, we all need. And to some extent, many of us lack. Um, which actually comes back to my philosophy of uh, living. I call it total activation. And we can talk about that later if you like. But again, uh, that was uh, that was a long answer to your short question, Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it. Uh, and I think you're right. And it's funny that you bring up the, the mint, uh, mints with the receipt thing at restaurants um, and hotels like that. That's kind of become almost standard practice now. Mm-hmm. And so it, it falls into that category of what you described first, which was the expected part it's almost like you know we go my wife and i'll go to a restaurant and and i would almost expect that when they drop off that little tray with the receipt there's going to be a mint or two on it mm-hmm. correct right? um but but you know sometimes um and along that same that same vein i i will i'll get a like a personalized note i've actually had personalized notes 
written on the back of the receipt that hmm. are just friendly, just, you know, uh, Mr. Light, thank you so much for your service. Uh, hmm. You know, we hope to see you and your family again soon, like that kind of thing. And that, right. you know, yeah, like that, that creates that bond. And, and maybe, you know, I think just people in general, it's cool that you've done this in physical therapy because I've never talked to anyone in, uh, in that field, in that space that's done this, but it's, it's, um, it's something that I, you're right. It, it, it carries over into any field, any space. It's that human connection, that human bond, that human relationship, even if it's brief and if it's unexpected, unexpected and creative, uh, I just, I think you add value to someone's day by, by putting some positive energy, you know, in their space, in their bubble. And, and that's, that's what it's all about. You know, that is what's going to create all of the positive energy and karma and all that coming back at you. And it's even more, it's even more important in the, in the, in the world we live in. When I, uh, when I moved to the U S in 2002, there wasn't any Facebook, right? In fact, Facebook didn't exist back then. Google was just sort of, uh, you know, um, sort of beginning as a company, Amazon uh, was also brand new at the time. I think we live in a day and age garden where uh, people expect a text message as opposed. In fact, people feel more comfortable with a text message or a Facebook message or an email than a phone call. Absolutely. I think people will be shocked if I mean somebody will be shocked if you show up at their door uninvited. Right. Uh, in fact, people don't even send each other mail these days. I mean, uh, I don't even sign my checks. Because, uh, you know, we we do something digit. We do e-transfers. So I think the I think the human the, the, the threat of human connectivity has actually uh, one to one connectivity, let alone being unexpected and personalized. The very threat of human connectivity has sort of eroded despite the explosion of social media. And I, I believe, uh, you know, 20 years from now, Gordon, when you and I if you and I have the same conversation 20 years from now. Uh, there's probably going to be, uh, you know, even less human connectivity because technology has taken over such a huge part of our lives. You see what I'm saying? Certainly. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. So it's, uh, I think, uh, I think we need to do more to uh, connect and uh, be unexpected and be personalized. And, uh, you know, uh, I send, sometimes we send our clients letters in the mail and they're shocked. They're like, you sent me a letter. Or like, yeah, it's, you know, you you pick it up from your post box and it has a stamp on it, you know, <laughs> because uh, no one does that these days. I know. And there's and there's you know, there's a little bit of touch labor involved in that. It's not just, a, you know, clicking your mouse a couple of times or tapping something on your phone. It's actually you got to take time to to hold something in your hand and, you know, and do something mm-hmm. with it. So, um, so how did you, you know, this goes back to before you moved to the U.S., but how did you get involved in physical therapy? So I was, uh, I was always, uh, you know, growing up, I was always, uh, you know, uh, an athlete. Uh, I enjoyed uh, all, you know, a whole bunch of sports outdoors. And I was always uh, sort of interested in, uh, you know, the human body, anatomy, physiology. So for me, uh, physical therapy was a very natural progression uh, to what I did. And here's the interesting thing, Gordon. Um, over a period of time, uh, as technology evolved, I, I took an active interest more in, uh, you know, um, speaking, getting systems and software created, not by myself because I'm not a developer, but uh, speaking and, uh, you know, business coaching other physical therapists. So I think the initial interest was simply because um, I was an athlete and I, and I um, you know, enjoyed exercise. And then over a period of time, it, uh, it, it became more of, hey, as opposed to being a clinician, I'm more interested in being, I'm better at being a speaker, a writer, a business coach. 
and uh, sort of um, someone who helps, uh, uh, who guides my software engineers to build software systems. So it's been an evolution, right, Gordon? At the end of the day, you know, life goes through stages and you you find what you're looking for and what interests you as you go along, correct? Oh, that's okay. And it changes. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you still practice physical therapy? No, no, I, I, no, I don't actually. Um, I've, I'm more focused on running my businesses, so no. Okay, great. And and you know you're building multi, you're continuing to build uh, multi. You, know, you have these multiple businesses, right? You're an mm. author. Um, what what's it like operating so many moving pieces between all these multiple businesses remotely? You know, of that scale, right? So you know what's interesting is. Um, uh, you'll be surprised it's actually not that difficult as long as you have uh, a good people that you can rely on because that's so important especially I mean half of my staff I've never met Gordon uh, which oh, reminds person, me you mean? Like yeah face to face okay <laughs> never never half my staff I've not met them and I'm planning on organizing some sort of a retreat where we all get together I fly them all in and you know that's on my agenda but I think um, the way I can manage it is a having uh, good people, uh, hi, you know, hiring very, very slowly. Uh, we believe in the hire slowly and, and fire quickly mantra, which is, you know, you kinda, you, you know, you have to find the right person. So uh, I think I've been, you know, we, we actually have a hiring process, Gordon, where we, uh, we put out an ad that says, here's who we are, here's, you know, here's the place we are. And if you're interested in working with us, send us an email telling us the last time you made someone smile. <laughs> I love that. And and I, I kid you not, Gordon, 95 out of 100 emails we get are resumes. You know what happens to them? They go right in the trash, I'm hoping. Yeah, delete. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so the five people who take the time to tell us about the last time they made someone smile, they're the ones we, you know, do a phone or email interview, or sorry, phone or video interviews with. We don't even look at their resume. And then we just hire them. <laughs> so that that for us has been uh, a way to hire the right people. And the second is, you know, having written systems for everything, Gordon. We have a written system that says, you know, log into this website, step one. Step two, go here. Step three, use this email draft. Step four, follow up with the client on day seven, day 14, day 21. Where, you know, without those systems, uh, we would be uh, we would be a sea of confusion. And I'm the one who writes most of our systems. And then, uh, you know, I'm fortunate to have staff that follows them and keeps improving them and teaches me a thing or two as we go along. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And uh, do you end up traveling a lot? I know you haven't met all your employees, so you don't go and see them necessarily, but you're a speaker at this point and you're moving around. So uh, how much, how often do you travel? Uh, at least uh, once once a month, uh, mostly within the U.S., sometime, or sometimes overseas to India uh to to meet with some of our business partners but yeah mostly within the US um and uh, once a month okay that's great so so you're, you're traveling once a month i mean that's that's definitely you know more than i'm traveling that's definitely more than most people and you haven't met all your employees in person so i, I it sounds like you know you guys are you're like dead on with with hiring the right people and kind of removing you know that maybe the toxic people that aren't as good with the clients and things and and also the systems that you put in place kind of govern everything. Does that sound Correct. accurate? 
Correct, because those are the things that allow you to go from, you know, 200,000 a year to a million a year to two or three or four. Because, you know, to go from two, to go from 100,000 a year to 200, 300,000 a year is, is a function of how hard and how well you sell. But to go from, you know, quarter million, half a million to, you know, two, three, four, five, six million is entirely a function of your systems and your people. Because if your systems are broken or non-existent, if your people are, you know, sort of mm, not the right people, then there's no way you can scale. You know, the company will will uh, will will not will not survive the growth uh, if uh, you don't have the right systems and the right people in place. So, um, um, you know, th- those are crucial for for going from good to great. You know. Yeah, you know, I've interviewed a a lot of millionaires, multimillionaires, and they all as when we talk scale. They all refer back to the, the two things you just described, right? So it's just another another piece of evidence that the, that is the key is people and systematizing as much as possible for scale. And you know the interesting thing is, Gordon, you may not always find the right people, and quite frankly, they may be good people, but uh, you know they may not fit your needs because the needs of a business evolve as you go along certainly so it's it's very important to um to sort of not only find the right people but also to sort of um you know to sort of motivate them and push them to raise the bar um so and trust me we've been through a lot of people who uh you know sort of tried to cheat us um you know um uh, misled us so you know i would say statistically for every three or four not so good people we find one outstanding person but you got to go through you got to go through extensive hiring you got to keep tweaking your process until you know you are able to find the right people so um it takes it takes a while to find the right people but when you get them you know they 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 tend to stick around and uh you better make sure they stick around but uh, i mean our hiring process hasn't always resulted in the perfect people all the time. It's just, it's an iterative process, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it changes as people change. I mean, they're human beings, right? They're not robots. So, you know, people have needs and they have a dynamic life. That's you know, always going to have things coming up and yeah. So, um, for sure. Yeah. And, and so you're working at home, which is, which is great. Uh, and you have a two year old and you have another child on the way. How would you say, if you could actually convey this, uh, articulate it, what's what's the the snapshot of your work life balance look like? It's a lot better now than it was when uh, we didn't have kids because um, now it's you know um, drop my son off to daycare uh, at about nine nine thirty in the morning um, and then work till about six six thirty and then after that bring him back home and spend some time with him. The line between uh, work and uh, personal life was very blurred. Uh, because I would work nonstop throughout the day. I mean, I still can if I want to, but I choose not to because uh, spending time with the, I don't know if you have kids, uh, Gordon, do you? I do, I do, yep. I have one, uh, one, one five-year-old son. He's about to turn six. Amazing. Um, you know how it is. So they, they need you. They, um, you know, they, uh, and, and to, to a large extent you enjoy spending time with them except for the moments when they drive you crazy. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, um, I think the work life balance becomes necessary and becomes, uh, something you want to do, not, not something you have to do when you have kids. So, uh, honestly, you know, that that's helped with the work life balance. Uh, I had less of a work life balance when I didn't have kids because, uh, 
my you know my entire focus was you know based on hey how how many clients can we get but now obviously that's important but it's about hey you know it's 6:30 i'm out you know yeah definitely i i listen i know people i'm not an advocate for one flavor of work life balance or another necessarily i mean i have my kind of my structure that i follow you know but i do me and and everybody does you know like you know knitting choda does knitting you know everyone everyone does their own thing and it's it's going to be different it's going to be very personal from family to family or person to person and i don't you know i i'm having trouble lately subscribing to what uh, at least in the u.s the u.s is like societal norm of work-life balance and um, you know, but I spend a lot of time with my kids, but I also know people who are incredibly successful in their businesses. You know, these are entrepreneurs who have built something and they're incredibly successful with it and they have kids and they're married and they spend less hours with their kids than I do and less hours with their spouse, but they are really big on the quality of time that they're spending with them. And so, you know, like they, it, it, to go to the extreme, you know, they don't touch their phone kind of thing. They spend every second that they are going to spend with them, um, and they do something that is they're one thousand percent all in. And it's interesting, you know. And it work, but it works for them, right? It works for them, and what I do works for us. And sounds like what you do is working great for you guys. Um, and it's interesting. I always like to ask people what their work life balance looks like, and I'm starting to get to that point where I just I don't I don't know if I believe that there's one right or wrong way, you know. I agree with you 100%. You know, it depends on, uh, it depends on, uh, you know, your preferences, what you like to do, uh, what your spouse wants, how you guys split the load. In my case, uh, I'm fortunate my mom lives with us because she helps a lot with my son. So I can literally bring him home from daycare and, uh, you know, retreat back to my home office and work while uh, my son is, my son is looked after. So it depends on your, it depends on your situation. And, uh, you know, what's important to you and what makes you comfortable. But I'm sure we all find a balance, you know, in, in, in one way or another. Definitely. Yep. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, so how do you think our behaviors as parents affects our children, even at those young ages? So your your son uh, is two, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, it's funny you ask that. Um, children are very observant and uh, they observe every single thing and they, they learn the positives and negatives, whether you realize it or not. So I think that, um, you know, I think as parents, we need to be very conscious about what we say, what we do, um, and um, it has a direct impact on kids. Um, um, and uh, I've, I, can, I, I can't tell you how many times I've looked at my son and he said things and I'm going to go like, what? Where'd you, you know, where, you know, where'd you learn to say that? And he's like, oh, I picked it up from you, dad. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing. Um, I guess you need to be a lot more conscious. I guess there's a there's a pre there's a pre baby existence and there's a post baby existence for all of us parents. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I I have news for you, man. It it, it gets even harder. It does <laughs> as far as uh, what you can say and what you can do and what the what they pick up on when they start to be three, four, five years old. It it gets they they become like. The, the, the word sponge doesn't even begin to describe it. Like they're sitting there siphoning every single move I make, my son anyway, and he will repeat everything. Even if I'm three or four rooms away and I whisper something, he hears it and tells me about it later. It's insane. Mm. Yeah, it's funny though. Um, <laughs> so um, that's interesting. So as far as 
you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're extremely driven, you've built all these things from nothing and Mm. you didn't go the traditional route that, uh, at least, uh, you know, most of us here in the U S are taught is the right way, which is, you know, go to school, graduate high school, go to college, get a nine to five job and work that forever. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that structure and how do you see yourself kind of, uh, teaching your son about, you know, the world as he grows up and, and your second child as well, you know, as, and how it, how it weaves into entrepreneurship and what you've done. You know, um, the, the traditional, uh, the traditional role that, uh, that is drilled into us, uh, uh, the, the one that you just described, go to school, get a nine to five job. There's nothing really wrong with it because, uh, honestly that, that, that's a comfortable, predictable, um, reality that we can all envision, right? And um, again, there's nothing wrong with that. However, I think an entrepreneur has a completely different mindset, Gordon. An entrepreneur fundamentally is willing to take risks is a little bit crazy because I do think I'm a little bit crazy. <laughs> uh, an entrepreneur is willing to, you know, to to sort of go to extremes, whether it's financial extremes, emotional extremes, to sort of uh, get to a desired outcome. Also, entrepreneurs have to know when to, you know, when to uh, back off, uh, but you know most entrepreneurs tend to you know keep keep sort of forging ahead, uh, even when they should back off. And I know I've been in that situation many times. So you know, I think it depends on what you're made of, right? You got to ask yourself: Listen, am I happy working nine to five with a predictable paycheck so that I have a, you know less stress in my life and so that I can plan for retirement? If yes, guess what? You know that's what makes you happy. Do it. But entrepreneurs are fundamentally unhappy with the norm they are fundamentally uh, not satisfied with the status quo uh, they want to either build something or do something that that sort of uh, pushes traditional boundaries and that inevitably brings them out of their comfort zone so i think i think at the end of the day everyone listening you you need to ask yourself are you an entrepreneur and and entrepreneurs take risks okay we're not talking about working nine to six and then calling yourself an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur works nine to six and then works from seven to one. <laughs> All right. The hustle is so, real. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nonstop. An entrepreneur, you know, um, sort of uh, uh, always, uh, you know, looks at the state of the business and says, I'm not happy. It needs to be here. It needs to, you know, there's, there's the next step. An entrepreneur always has the next step. And if that's you, then, you know, be prepared for a wild ride. Uh, with a lot of heartache, a lot of bumps, a lot of, lot of failures in, in which you'll find the occasional success. I mean, I can tell you that I've failed more times than I've succeeded. But I have learned that uh, if I hire the right people, if I surround myself by people who are smarter than I am, and if I build systems, then I can continue growing. So um, I would say that, uh, you know, uh, again, you know, that brings me back to America as a land of opportunity. And I haven't talked about that as much here with you uh, as I as I. Uh, as I normally do. But uh, I think, you know, in America, you know, the world is, um, you know, this is a this is a great, uh, America, is, I do believe Gordon is the greatest country in the world. You want to work nine to five, earn a paycheck, pay a mortgage and have a house 30 years down the line, you can. Uh, you want to be an entrepreneur and go bankrupt and get sued, you might. Or you want to build an entrepreneur and have multiple seven-figure businesses? You can if you play, if you if you do things the right way. You really you really don't have those opportunities anywhere else in the world. I know for a fact that if growing up in Bombay, I would not have been able to build the kind of businesses I have uh, because America affords you that opportunity. So you know, at the end of the day, uh, don't be complacent. 
uh, appreciate the opportunity, appreciate the fact that, you know, you can live and breathe in a country that 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 pretty much allows you to live life on your own terms, regardless of religion, regardless of uh, race, regardless of ethnicity, and appreciate the opportunity. And if you're going to be an entrepreneur, do it. If not, work nine to five. Do what makes you happy. I love that. Uh, that's that's incredibly powerful. I obviously couldn't agree more. Um, now I haven't lived in Bombay, so I don't know what it's like over there. And I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know really anything else. I, I'm, I'm, a sh- I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I guess a victim of circumstance, right? It's a good circumstance, but I don't, I can't say that I've experienced anything else. But what I do know is that everything you just said about the opportunities here, you're absolutely correct. If you just want to work a nine to five grind away and do that and that makes you happy great if you want to challenge yourself and build something huge and be an entrepreneur great you know you have all that available you're right it's uh it's it's really something else and i hear people say it all the time and unfortunately i just i can't share that uh that um, emotion and experience of having lived somewhere else and and seen what it's like you know firsthand um but it's amazing you know, to see someone like you come here and do this, you know? Yeah, and, Gar- and Gordon, that helps because uh, traveling traveling all over the world or even looking at other cultures, it gives you it gives you a sense of appreciation of, uh, of uh, American culture. It really does. And I'm, I'm not just saying this to, you know, so it, so it sounds nice and patriotic. I know it because I've lived it. I've lived in the, I've lived in India uh, for the first 24 years of my life. I've driven, uh, I've driven a scooter to go to clients homes and come back and had to when i took a shower i kid you not gordon there was literally black soot coming out of my hair because of the pollution in india i've lived uh, the first 24 of my life 24 years of my life in a country where i was um where i was uh, you know the um, the top of the class in physical therapy but i couldn't get a job because i didn't have the connections or the quote unquote letters of recommendation to work as a physical therapist, because that's that's you know that's what you need. You need connections to be able to uh, even you know be able to work where you want. I mean the the, the system the system back in India when I was in India uh, did involve a, a good degree of corruption. So we're talking about corruption. We're talking about pollution. And then I've lived in the U.S. right where like I said I don't know if you've read my story, but I've slept in my car. I've um, you know I've I've delivered pizza. I've, you know, I've, I've been on the verge of financial bankruptcy and now, uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty much living life on my own terms. So I've seen both ends of the spectrum and I can tell you definitively that, uh, you know, uh, if you're complaining about something in life, you, uh, in, and you're living in the U S you have the means to fix it. I think Mitt Romney said, I think he said a few years ago, Mitt Romney, uh, he said, um, the fact that you're born in America, you just won the lottery simply by virtue of being born in America. Um, I think he said that somewhere, and I do believe that's true, you know. And I look at my son, Gordon, he's two years old. I kid you not, Gordon, the guy uh, goes to daycare, has his own iPad, eats when he's watching, you know, Daniel Tiger on TV. And I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) dude, I'm going to make you struggle when the time comes, because if you don't struggle, you're going to be entitled, privileged, lazy, unmotivated, and I don't want that to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, put him through the ringer, take everything away, make him grind for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you feel the same way for your five-year-old. We protect them, we give them what we want, but I think, I think the more we give, 
uh, the more uh, the more we put them at a disadvantage. They have to learn to give and not take because I believe life gives to the givers and takes from the takers. Oh yeah, uh, I I make my son work for things. He uh, are you familiar with the latest thing, fidget spinners? Have you seen those? Uh, no, I haven't. Little What's fidgets? that? Oh, okay, man. Okay, so there's this toy that's kind of uh, like taking over the the world. It's a little, it, literally, all it is is a ball bearing with mm-hmm. this little plastic um, Y shaped thing wrapped around it, and you literally just hold it in your hand and spin it, and it just spins in circles. It's a little handheld thing that spins in circles, and um, it's it's the biggest thing, at least you know, at least here uh, in the U.S., it's like the biggest toy in in a long, long time. Uh, they're cheap at like ten bucks, but my son has a couple of them. And, um, I bought, I made him earn his first one and then he spent some allowance on the second one. And then he wanted two more different colors. It's become like a collector's thing. And, uh, and I said, no, you know, and I made him work for it. So he spent two weeks doing chores to work for these things. And now he actually has an appreciation for them, you know, but all his friends, they have like 10, 12, 15 of these things and they lose them. They take them to school and, you know, and it doesn't, they don't care because their parents will just buy, buy them more. And, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It, it's interesting, you know, how some, and this is not a parenting podcast and I would never tell anybody how to parent, but it's interesting. The approaches that some parents take to things like that, you know, they like, will will give and give and give and give. And then you got people like me who I'm very reluctant to give my son anything. I made him buy his own goalie gear. He plays uh, goalie and ice hockey and mm-hmm. that was hundreds of dollars. And I made him buy it with his own money. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, it's just interesting. And I'm not sure if that's going to turn out on the other side with him appreciating it more and appreciating what I did more or not. But that's mm-hmm. the approach I'm taking. And I think that it will be something that he uh, learns a lesson from. And that's kind of what I'm going for. You know, I read somewhere, I think it was a New York times that uh, kids who do chores um, tend to be more successful later on in life. I think when, I think when uh, children learn to, uh, work for something, learn to fight for something. They tend to appreciate it more, and then I think that the drive is built into them. I mean, I feel I feel I had an inner drive. That's what's allowed me to get this far. But if I didn't have the drive, then uh, you know I would have given up a long, long, long time ago. And I think that applies to all of us, right? So that drive comes from uh, I don't know. I don't know if genetics has anything to do with it. But I know it comes directly from your experiences in life. And I think the more struggle we go through. A reasonable amount of struggle, not an inhumane or, you know, uh, crazy <laughs> amount of struggle that breaks you and drives you crazy. But I think, but I think, oh, sorry, let me just cancel that. The The right amount of struggle is, uh, is very, uh, is very crucial. Gordon, I'm so sorry. I've, I've, I haven't been able to mute that phone, although I've been planning <laughs> to all along. I'm so sorry. That's okay. Not a problem. Not a problem. But um, I, I believe that's important for all of us. Sorry. I've been meaning to uh, to mute that phone and uh, let's see if I can close it. Let's see. I think I think that did it. Sorry about that. No problem at all. No problem at all. Gordon, I wanted to touch upon uh, not necessarily my book, but my philosophy that sort of governs my thinking and my existing business. If you feel I can talk about that, let me know. Yes, please do. Go right into it. Uh, Gordon, I believe um, having lived both in India as well as in the United States of America, I've had a chance to compare both cultures. And, you know, what I've actually realized uh, is that there are attributes of Indian culture that, uh, that uh, you know, uh, we as a country, as America, can learn and should emulate. And on the other hand, there are attributes of American culture that are simply uh, amazing. 
I'll start with the positives. You know, Indians um, understand. I think Indian culture fundamentally is about you know self uh, self awareness is about appreciation, and American culture you know has literally you know you, you're not going to find the kind of technology, the kind of innovation, the kind of creativity, the kind of uh, you know access to products and services. I mean, I mean it's amazing. Uh, the kind of uh, selection we have, whether whether it comes to the kind of butter we want to buy or the kind of pasta we want to eat or the kind of <laughs> fitness class we go to. <clears throat> so America is, you know, in many ways, a land of excess. And after having compared both cultures, I wrote a book 10 years ago called Total Activation. And uh, back then, I didn't have the money to be able to, you know, create a series of products around our philosophy. But now I do. Total activation is a, is a five-step philosophy that involves what I call the EPSSI principle. E for emotional, P for physical, S for social, S for spiritual, and I for intellectual. Emotional health, uh, you know, um, sort of the, the sense of being satisfied with who you are, where you're at, and being emotionally balanced, and also being emotionally driven to succeed in business is important. P for physical, you know, uh, eating right, exercising, we all know that. Um, uh, S for social, surrounding yourself by the, you know, with the right people, whether it's friends, families, you know, work associates. Uh, S for spiritual, uh, it, it could be religion, it could be, um, you know, just your sense uh, that there's, you know, um, a higher power, just something that drives you other than just yourself, whether it's, you know, a, a desire to help others, uh, you know, um, do social work, uh, you know, uh, contribute to a charity, whatever it is. And finally, I for intellectual challenging your brain, whether it's reading a book. Uh, and you and I both know about, you know, what that is, right? I mean, we look at our children, right? I mean, their brain just evolves on a daily basis. And intellectually, they're being, they're being sort of molded by our choice of words and our actions and our demeanor. So I feel that for me, total activation which is our philosophy, which is the book I wrote, which is our website, totalactivation.com, and our products, because we have skincare and nutritional products that go hand in hand with the philosophy. For me, Total Activation is all about emotional, physical, social, spiritual, and intellectual awareness. And I think if all of us make an effort to improve slightly uh, in one of those areas, you know, a little bit every day, I think we can live a richer life and, uh, you know, pay it forward. For example, you know, social activation, picking up the phone and calling someone, a friend you haven't talked to, or even sending them a text message. That's an example of social activation because you're you're establishing meaningful or reestablishing meaningful human connections. So I know that was a mouthful, but I did want to share that because that's the focus uh, of, my, of my life at this stage in my life. And that's, uh, you know, that's our business, totalactivation.com. I absolutely love that. So the EPSSI principle, I did dig into that a little bit. It's funny that you brought that up at the time that you did. I was about to ask you about that. Uh, so um, thank you for breaking that all down. I think that that's awesome. Now, is the Total Activation book, is that, uh, you know, when, when readers go through that, is it is it interactive or is it more kind of like a tutorial on how to uh, incorporate these things into your life to build all of those five, you know, pillars? That's exactly what it is, exactly what you just said. It's a book that underlines the importance of the philosophy and uh, more importantly, teaches you how to build those elements into your life. And, uh, you know, you don't really need any products 
other than just you know reading the book and implementing it but yeah if you want to go what the extra step and you know we have skincare products and nutritional supplements that essentially feed that philosophy but yes the book outlines exactly what you just said oh, that's incredible okay is this available just on totalactivation.com or can you can you get it on amazon is it yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. You can get our book totalactivation.com on uh, Amazon as well. Uh, so, excuse me. You can get our book Total Activation on Amazon as well as totalactivation.com. And you can also Google the name of our book and you'll find us on Walmart, Jet, eBay, um, and, um, and uh, you know, um, other stores. Uh, like I said, to Walmart, Jet, and eBay as well. Awesome. Okay. So, it's, it's pretty much on all the major players. Um, that's great. So, I'll, I'll put all that information in the show notes. And... Um, I do have one more question for you, and I think it's an important one. Um, so I want, and this should be pretty easy for you because you are in public speaking. I like to act, ask all of our, our interviewees this question, but I want you to imagine for a second that you're giving a keynote. Mm -hmm. And at that keynote, the audience is filled with parents and people who are time-strapped, money-strapped, energy-strapped, but they want something more, okay? They want to start walking down that entrepreneurial path, and they're looking up at you, Nitin Choda, for advice, and you're looking out at them, what do, you, what do you say? What do you tell them? Find one person in your life, uh, whether it's uh, within your immediate social circle, or whether you have to find that person online and email that person, or let's say that person has a business coaching program that you have to pay money to be a part of. Find one person in your life that, that reflects where you want to be. For example, you look at that person and say, you know what, I want to be like that person. Uh, I, I wish I uh, achieved the level of success. Again, it doesn't have to be financial. It could be, it could be, uh, it could simply be, you know, um, I want to be like that person. I want, I like the way that person conducts themselves. So find one person uh, that, uh, you know, that, 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 you know, you want, you want to be like them and then do whatever you have to do to uh, to sort of get within the sphere, within the realm of that person, and learn from them. Be that you know, um, sort of a, be a prodigy, if you will. Um, and even if you have to spend months or years to 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 find this mentor, do it because um, the amount of life lessons you can learn from a, a viable mentor. Someone, again, this person has to be, you know, someone you want to be like, right? Um, heck, if you want to be a singer, let's say you want to be, I don't know, let's say you want to sing rap. Guess what? Set, set your sights high and say, you know what? I, I want to find, you know, I want to sort of, uh, I, I've, I've, ident I've identified this rap singer and I want that person to be my mentor. And try and, you know, get that person to be your mentor. That, that single thing, I think, will drive you far forward, you know, you will, will sort of bring you much further than, you know, reading books or anything, because when you learn from the real life experience of another human being who has already walked the walk and who's done, you know, who's done it, not someone who just talks and who speaks and who <laughs> uh, talks about theory and, you know, writes books, someone who's actually done it, someone who's actually suffered, someone who's actually become successful, um, you learn from that person. So find a mentor um, and go out of your way, even if you have to pay that mentor for his or her time. In fact, in most cases, you'll probably have to um, find the mentor and follow, you know, let them lead the way. I love that. Find the mentor, let them lead the way, put yourself in their sphere 
and and let all that energy kind of affect you that's awesome i love that and what's interesting is gordon mentors are willing to share the right mentor is willing to share they won't be like oh leave me alone because <laughs> if that's if that's who they are then guess what they're not the right mentor for you they're just people but, right they're just people correct you know and if mentors say you know what you're gonna have to pay me for my time i'm gonna charge you 500 dollars to spend a half an hour on the phone with you once a month you know what i would say to that best 500 dollars you're ever gonna spend I was I stopped myself from cursing Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see yeah, what I'm saying? I, I got you. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Uh, I love that though. And that's true. You're right. Um you know, they're just people. Now they're busy people, so you're right. They're going to charge money a lot of times, but the advice that you can get from a mentor and a lot of the lessons learned, you just it's it's not something that can be conveyed very well in a podcast or in an interview. It's something that that one-on-one relationship or a very small mastermind type situation is when you gain probably the most, at least in my opinion, the most insight and gain all that experience and wisdom, you know, from others who have been there, done that. So I couldn't agree more. I love that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Sure. Appreciate that. Um, so listen, uh, Nitin, this has been incredible and I think the audience is going to get a ton of value out of this. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the interview. Is there any other outlets that you want to discuss for ways that people can get in touch with you? Yeah, if, uh, if, you, uh, if you folks want to visit www.totalactivation.com, that's totalactivation.com, you can learn more about the Total Activation philosophy, uh, skincare products, or nutritional supplements. If you uh, send us uh, a contact uh, message or a request from our website, I'll make sure, just, just mention Gordon Light, and I'll make sure uh, I get you a response personally. Um, and if any of you want to purchase products, just mention Gordon Light. We'll send you a discount coupon. I want to make sure that Gordon subscribers are well taken care of, whether you're a consumer looking to uh, sort of take advantage of the total activation philosophy or whether you're an entrepreneur, you know, trying to pick my brain. Uh, I'm happy to add value to your life in whatever way I can. You can also friend me on Facebook if you want. But I think the best thing to do would be to use a contact uh, page on TotalActivation.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the handle TotalActivation. Wow, that is so cool. I didn't, uh, for anyone who's listening, I, I had no idea that Nitin was going to extend any offer about Total Activation for Fit Successful Dad listeners. That's a very generous review. <laughs> I really, really appreciate that, Nitin. I'm a dad myself and I know how life can be. Life can get, uh, you know, um, life can, you know, sort of uh, go from one extreme to another. Some days are the best in the world, Gordon, with, uh, you know, you're you're like, God. And I know I feel this way, right? I'm like, gosh, do I even deserve this? This is amazing. And then you go and then you swing to the other side where you're like, this guy's crazy. He's going to kill me, (laughs) you know, so (laughs) or girl. And um, um, and uh, I think that anything I can do to help your listeners um, live a more balanced, more peaceful, more happy life, whether it's getting a book or our products or whether it's, you know, learning how to be an entrepreneur. I am happy to add value in whatever way I can. I actually appreciate the opportunity because for me, this is an opportunity uh, talking to you and helping get the word out. So I want to thank you and I hope I didn't let you down in any way. Oh, I had a blast. This was great. And I know the listeners are going to get a ton of value out of this, especially listening to your whole story, how you came from uh, Bombay over here, built yourself into this multi-million dollar business. You know, that's, that's awesome. That you're right. That's the American dream right there. I think that's what people are going to, going to take away and they're going to love to hear that story. So, um, yeah. Hey, uh, listen, Denton, one, one more time. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. And, um, I hope to have you on in the future and kind of do like a follow up and see how things are going. 
I appreciate it, sir. I'll be here. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And take care, my man. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it. I, I hope you guys dug that interview as much as I enjoyed having the interview and talking with Nitin personally. Uh, the guy's the man. He's he's so down to earth and you know, from Bombay, India with no money all the way to the US, you know, after nine eleven, building himself up into this multi million dollar situation with multiple businesses is a true shining example of the American dream, right? And what anybody can accomplish, especially in this country. Right, the market doesn't care. I don't want to get into that right now, but there's there's so much opportunity here. If you are interested in building something, anything, you have the opportunity to do it. You can do it. You absolutely can. You just have to put in the hard work, put in the perseverance, right? Remain inspired, remain motivated, and just believe that whatever you want to do is is possible. So thank you so much for listening. It would mean everything to me if you would go onto iTunes and leave me a review or pass this episode on to somebody else in your life who you think would also get value out of it. I'm trying to reach as many people as possible and inspire and motivate them to do something and chase what they're passionate about. So with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for checking it out, and I will talk to you in the next episode. Take care.